This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Another week, another podcast. This is Boomsies. First time here, welcome. You've been here before? Pick up after yourself. Leave the place how you found it. That's my rule. Clean up your messes. Episode 30, hi, I'm Dan. Episode 35. The Zach Burke episode. Caught you off guard there, didn't I? Played 47 games in the NHL. He's now the Ottawa Senators goalie coach. And most importantly, he is a former Peterborough Pete. Pete's Memorial Cup. They hosted it in 1996. My hometown. And it was the scene of one of my favorite sports memories of all time. Set the scene here. So the city's a buzz. You got the Memorial Cup in your town. Your Pete's are playing in front of you. And I believe it's now the oldest rink in the Canadian Hockey League. Excuse me. <clears throat> Had some fun. Zach Burke, born in Peterborough, between the pipes, before one of the Pete's games. In the Memorial Cup, in Peterborough, his brother, Sebastian Bach, the lead singer of Skid Row, sings the national anthem while an entire arena faced the portrait of the queen that their father painted. It's a massive portrait of the queen. It still hangs in the Memorial Center. Birkenet, Sebastian Bach, Belton out, O Canada, and a picture of the Queen painted by their father. I recently read an interview with Zach Burke where he said it's it's an image and a moment that he will never forget. He was in the moment. I was just watching it. I had goosebumps. I get goosebumps thinking about it. You cannot top that, but Sebastian, when he came out, they didn't have a carpet or anything for him. He came out in cowboy boots. I'm like, oh no. Cowboy boots, leather jacket. He looked like a rock star, because he is. Like this, this can't this isn't gonna end well, but it did. It ended perfect. And he put everything into that anthem. Very cool moment. Zach Burke entered the NHL in 1997, 98. He entered the league the same year as Zidane Chara. 
Burke retired 19 years ago. Chara retired on Tuesday. What a career. Uh, maybe Zidane Chara, Keith Yandel, and P.K. Subban could have got on the same page and announced their retirements on different days. It was, if you've played in the NHL a long time and you're a defenseman, retirement day in the NHL. Good friend of Boomsy, Steve Webb. He was there. I called Webby before this podcast. He and Chara made their NHL debuts in the same game. He was there for Chara's first NHL game. And Webby, whenever I ask him about Chara, he's, he was always in awe, including today. He said he had never met another player who went to the rink every single day with the sole goal of becoming a better player. He wanted to be the best at everything he did. He said even like nutrition, uh, studying video, Every single component of his game, he wanted to be the best at. And he didn't gauge himself against other players. He gauged himself against himself. Zidane Chara, 1,680 games played. 24 seasons. Tallest player to ever play in the NHL. Six foot nine. Won the Norris in 2009. All-time leader in games by a defenseman. Won the Cup in 2011. He was an Islander, a Senator, a Bruin, a Capital? I did not remember that. It was one season. I uh, also got a quote from Colin Wilson, who's appeared on this podcast. Colin said, Charo once high-sticked me in the face. He almost stopped the play from wanting to apologize so badly and asked if I was okay. <laughs> That's the type of player... That Chara was. Well, Mark Parrish, another friend of Boomsy's, said, he's the hardest working guy on and off the ice. As a person, he's a great big teddy bear. Natural born leader. Just got that. Nothing but praise for Chara. Same with P.K. Subban. No one was like him. He marched to the beat of his own drum. Something that is frowned upon in the NHL. They want you to be a robot. You be a robot and you like it and shut the f*** up. Subban said, uh, f*** that. I'm going to be P.K. Subban. He played with passion. He was a presence on the ice that was unique. He had, a, he had an energy to him. Love PK. My one interaction with PK Subban. I was at uh, a restaurant in LA with a bunch of people once. And uh, someone was on the phone during this dinner. I'm like, well, who are they talking to? Finally, they, this person comes over to me disgruntled. And they're like, Ugh. he wants to talk to you. I'm like, who? My boyfriend. I'm like, uh, okay. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, hello. He's like, Dan, it's PK. I'm like, what the f is going on? We had never met. And we had a chat for five minutes. PK Subban. He just shows up on the phone at a restaurant in LA. 
And it wasn't that surprising now that I think back. It's Subban. Another uh, quote from Colin Wilson about PK said, I strongly believe there will only ever be one PK Subban. That's how unique he was. A guy who played with him. And PK, because he played that way, a lot of fans were like, oh, why doesn't, why doesn't he shut up? Why doesn't he just play the game? And every time you saw an arena boo him or something happened to PK, you can't help but wonder, okay, if the color of his skin was different, are they still going to be doing that? And 98% of the times, I was of the belief that, no, they wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, look at that character. What a guy. But because it was PK, they're like, boo. So, yes, there was racism attached. And you are a naive if you don't admit to that. He will now be a broadcaster. 1,000%. And on the same day, Keith Yandel, he gets lost in the shuffle. Keith Yandel, 16 seasons. He had the new Ironman record. Played uh, 1,109 games. And he's now an afterthought because you have such iconic characters in the form of Chara and Subban retiring on the same day. I feel bad for Keith Yandel. There's 365 days in the year, boys. That's what Yandel's saying to his team. We had 365 other days, but we picked this one. Or maybe he doesn't even want the fanfare. He's like, whatever. I don't care. Which I think he's probably like that. He's like, whatever. I'm done. The three combined to play 3,977 games. End of an era. And three spots open up for defensemen in the NHL. I mentioned Peterborough and Zach Burke. Peterborough is now home of the four-time consecutive winning Man Cup champion Peterborough Lakers. We're talking lacrosse. Also, the franchise's 18th ever Man Cup. They won Game 7 on Saturday night against Langley. The most ever Man Cups for any franchise. Side note, found this in my research. The original Man Cup, which they don't present, the original Man Cups in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame, wherever that is. The original Man Cup is the most expensive trophy in sports. It is valued at over $200,000 because it is made of solid gold, baby. The story about the Man Cup also says it's cheap gold, but it's still gold. And whenever I think of gold and gold coins and gold trophies, I immediately think of Scrooge McDuck diving around in his gold. And even when I watched that as a kid, I'm like, but that would hurt. If you've got a jar of 
pennies and you like stick your hand in it, it doesn't seep in like water, your hand into water. Coins are hard. So Scrooge McDuck had to have suffered a lot of concussions diving into that pool of gold. Scrooge. What a guy. I was in Peterborough for that game seven. But I had a dilemma. As I sat on my porch and read a new book that I got from Amazon, it was a gorgeous day. Deciding whether to go golfing, go to game seven, or go see Jerry D perform in my hometown. I'd gotten to the point of the day where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do any of the three. Because I was so comfortable and I'm like, I don't want to make the 35 minute drive. So I sent Jerry a text because we had text weeks prior. I said, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll come to the show. But I hadn't heard from him. And I know it was a show day. I didn't know if he was busy. I hadn't heard back from two weeks. I'm I'm like, I'm going to leave him alone. I don't want to bother the guy. So I sent him a text. I said, here's a line you can deliver. This is what comedians love. They love when you give them lines to do during their stand-up performance. I said, Jerry, when you go on stage tonight in Peterborough, you can say, well, I guess we found the non-lacrosse fans in Peterborough. Because everyone else was at game seven, which was sold out. Jerry responded with, ha, 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 ha. And then didn't say anything back. Didn't say like, hey, we're going to see, uh, see you at the show tonight. So I'm like, whatever. Okay, that's not happening. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bother him. <laughs> so, so then he called. He's like, his show's at eight. He called at six. So I said, yeah, you coming to the show? I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know I, this was still on. He said, yeah, two weeks ago. I said, are you coming? You said, yes. I'm like, yeah, that was two weeks ago. In my mind, that was 200 years ago. I'm a day-to-day kind of guy, Jerry. So I said, I can't make it there in time. He said, you are currently closer to the venue than I am. So I said, okay, I'll meet you there. So I made my way into Peterborough. Jerry and I were going to meet for a pre-show coffee. As I pull into Peterborough and I'm approaching the block in which he's performing at, the uh, lights went out. Over a two-block stretch in Peterborough, the power went out. Included in that two-block stretch was the theater that Jerry was performing at. So so I pull up behind the theater. Jerry Jerry comes out. He's like, what the? What's going on? I'm like, the power, it's out. He said, there's no show. Show, it's gone now. So we walked around, got a coffee, and he said, want to go get something to eat? So we went to the keg and watched Game 7 of the Man Cup on the TV at the keg while Jerry and I sat at the bar and had some appetizers. I went with the tuna tartare. Jerry had the garlic shrimp. And then, like a couple of old men, like we are, We tried to take a selfie at the bar, but the keg, if you've ever been in one, 
is like in an old, an unlit cave. So every picture we took, it looked like we were being held captive somewhere because there was no light. Finally, we figured it out. So it was a nice date night. Jerry and I just shoot, shooting the him asking, so what is this man cup? What's going on here? Said, so is, are they going to burn this city down if they win? I said, oh yeah, you watch out. Peterborough leading late. You can see the clock ticking down. I'm waiting for the keg to erupt. Final buzzer sounds. The game's on mute. I, I think Jerry and I are the only one who noticed. The other non-lacrosse fans were at the keg the night of Game 7 of the Man Cup. But congrats to the Lakers. So proud. The city of champions. Sorry, Edmonton. That's our title now. Jerry, what a character. And then we sat and uh, looked at our handicaps for golf. He's like, what's your index? I'm like, ah, what's that? He goes, well, you got your handicap and your index. I'm like, again, I already said, what's that? So he, like a couple of old white dudes who can't figure out how to take a selfie in a dark lit room, we compared each other's handicaps and indexes. (laughs) Yeah. It was very... It was entertaining, but so old guy, white stuff. And then earlier this week, I was talking about the new NFL season with, um, with a lot of friends because there's a lot of faces that change places in the broadcast booth. Al Michaels, Kirk, Her- uh, Kirk Herbstreit calling the Thursday night game in Amazon. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, another now with ESPN calling ESPN's Monday night football. And I follow a lot of people in the broadcast industry on social media because I used to be in the broadcast industry. And then the broadcast industry said to me, "Uh, bye-bye, we don't want you. Go to your basement. I said, okay, I like this much better. Thank you. So a lot of people in the broadcast industry overhype the importance of broadcasters. They they feel the broadcasters are bigger than the game almost. So there was a lot of watching the Thursday night game. This this is going to take a lot of getting used to. Or ah, this isn't right. Oh, this this just doesn't feel right. So I'm reading this and I'm watching the game. I'm like. No, I think you're wrong. So that's when I reached out to friends who are big sports fans. So I said, does it matter to you that Al Michaels is calling a Thursday night game on Amazon Prime or that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are calling a Monday night football game on ESPN? The blanket response from all of them. No, not at all. There's one game on Thursday night. I'm going to watch it. I had to figure out how to watch it on my Amazon Prime. That was the only drawback. 
So to a person, they all said, they don't give a f- So everyone on social media who's in broadcasting, you should look outside your bubble because there's a whole world out there that don't give no They watch the game, not because of who's calling it, because the game's on TV and their team's in it, or they just like football or they got money on it. They aren't tuning in saying, oh yeah, this is the game that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are calling. No, they're tuning in because that's the game that's on TV. No one cares. They will comment on the broadcasters 100%. If producer Tim is calling the game, they will watch. They actually, I would, I would pay to hear that. Producer Tim calling an NFL game. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers throws the ball. <sighs> What's the point of this? Why are any of it? These, these are men playing children's games. <sighs> Is this game over yet? When's the Bills game? I want uh, that as a pay-per-view. Producer Tim in the booth, Monday Night Football. If Eeyore was a human. (laughs) It would be Producer Tim. And again, I've mentioned this before. Uh, Hey, Pooh and your friends, maybe get Eeyore some therapy. Maybe get him some help. Hey, why don't we get to our guest? Let's throw a curveball. Let's go to our guest early today. This is uh, this is someone you've never met. I think I've mentioned him on the podcast. He is simply Sully. And I guess we'll find out all about Sully right now. Do you have music playing? Yeah, should I turn down? What the f***? Sorry, bro. Sorry. Well, who? who I don't know. Who comes on a podcast and has music playing? Who has the guest sit around for 20 minutes before he gets on the podcast? And were you listening to new country music? No, Jack Johnson and Friends. Oh, my God. Okay. So here's my, so I have a friend that listens to Jack Johnson and I, I always say I can write a Jack Johnson song in three minutes. I like stuff and you like stuff and we like stuff together. Oh yeah. Jack Johnson. Number one hit. Jack Johnson is a lyrical genius. What about a career for Jack Johnson? A professional surfer that decides to start playing music and then has a better career as a musician. And isn't he always barefoot? Sure. Why not? <laughs> Who's the other big surfer? Kelly Slater? Yeah. Are Does we recording? Sing- yes. <laughs> Bumsies! Does Kelly Slater have a music career? I don't know. 
Should have producer Tim Google that. Producer Tim, Google if Kelly Slater has a musician career, musical career. Uh, this is Sully. Um, he is a uh, longtime listener of Boomsies, good friend of the podcast. And last week I had a, a gentleman by the name of Rawl Sauce on the podcast. And my producers were like, uh, why are you having this guy? And I'm like, well, he's a wild card. I'm one for one with my wild cards. I'm playing my second wild card with Sully. So hopefully I'll go for two for two. It's all up to you, buddy. No pressure. Uh, none taken. You you lead the way, Dan. I'll follow wherever you take me, buddy. Well, I liked our conversation about Jack Johnson and the fact that you listened to him. No offense. My, my saying with music is, if you like it, then like it. Don't let anyone else influence your opinion of music. But I'm allowed to not like Jack Johnson music. Okay, so let's tap into that. Why don't you like Jack Johnson? I told you why, because it's too, uh, God, you're trying too hard with the la, 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 Like, give me, do you know Citizen Cope? No. Okay. Dial up Citizen Cope when you're done with this. He does the music that Jack Johnson along those same lines, but it's not as bubblegummy. Okay. Is he Canadian? No. I actually ran into him when I lived in L.A. I went to a place called, uh, it's right on the edge of Marina Del Rey. It's shaped like, a, it's an A-frame building. It's called Man Eater. No, they wouldn't name a restaurant Man Eater. Antelope? Sure. Um, Is it outside carnivorous? the bubble? Is it outside the it, bubble? It's outside the Marina Del Rey bubble. Anyway, so I was uh, enjoying dinner at the bar by myself, which I uh, tend to do. <laughs> and um, I see him in the back corner and I'm like, oh my God, that's Citizen Cope. Real name, Clarence Greenwood. So I am starting to walk out. He gets up and comes over to me. He goes, you look really familiar. And I'm like, Clarence, I love your music. And then um, I went outside. I think I was having a cigar or something or a joint probably at the time. And then I, ca- I came back in and uh, I didn't want to bother him anymore. So I returned to my seat at the bar. Before he left, he came up to me and said, I really appreciate you saying that about my music, man. Meant a lot. And I'm like, what a great dude. Did he know who you were? Ah, I, I don't think he watched FS1. If he did, he was the only one. That's not true. I'm... One of two then, because I think I told you when you and I first met, I didn't know who you guys were other than you and your old co-host were, I used to record your show on Fox Sports One because I thought you guys were hilarious. It was such a great take on sports. Now you recorded us when we were in the closet. Did you watch the original Fox Sports Live hosted by Carissa Thompson, starring Donovan McNabb, Andy Roddick, Gabe Kapler, C.J. Nitkowski, Ephraim Salam? The list goes on, and then at the bottom of that list, uh, Jay and Dan. Did you watch that first incarnation of the show? I did not, and nor did I watch the best damn sports show. Period. I didn't watch that one either. That was another one of the Fox beauties, wasn't it? That was. I believe we were in the same studio, and some of the guys that worked on our show worked on that one. 
And we're like, oh, that must have been great. Like, that was a big show. He's like, no, we never had any viewers. <laughs> there was just a few clips that would go viral before things went viral. Like, wasn't it Charles Barkley kissed the donkey? Yep. And then wasn't Chris Rose on that one as well? I think that's where uh, he was. Yes. Yeah. You know, Chris Rose, I'm glad you brought up his name. When uh, Jay and I's contracts came to a close and they took our show off air in L.A., he sent me a really nice note saying, hey, man, like, uh, keep your chin up. You guys are uh, talented. And I'm like, Chris, Chris Rose, we only met once before, but he took the time to send me an email. So I've always respected him for that. Shout out Chris Rose. <laughs> Shout out Chris Rose. Um, Sully, you and I had a discussion over the weekend. And I talked about this on the podcast. How people in my industry overblow the importance overblow i don't think i used they what's the term i'm looking for they over over inflate the importance of broadcasters almost making broadcasters who these people it's their profession bigger than the game because when you have like al michaels uh calling the the thursday night game on prime people are like oh this is going to take some getting used to and then uh joe buck and troy aikman calling a game on monday night for oh i don't know if i can get used to this i polled a lot of my friends who watch a lot of sports and guess what they all said i don't give a f- oh we can curse on here yeah we beep it out Oh, that's right. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's your thoughts. I don't. Okay, so I called you yesterday. You were busy. But the reason why I was calling you was to take back what I had said to you about this prior conversation. Because Mark Sanchez was the color man for the Rams Falcons game. Mm -hmm. And normally the color man in gives you the information and gets the up. Right. Mark Sanchez wouldn't shut up during the game. (laughs) Like, it was almost like he was the play-by-play, and then it was the play-by-play guy trying to get in, run the play, and get out. Mark Sanchez was overboard. Now, he used to be really good at some of the things he did. I just – maybe it was just me. I was in a bad mood watching that game. I don't know. But I just – that's the first time I really noticed the color man that just wouldn't shut up. Well, you alerted me to the fact that he is in the broadcast booth now. I didn't know he is, and I don't even know what network he's with. Fox. That was a Fox game yesterday. Oh. And the only reason why I knew that is because they said it was Mark Sanchez. I had no idea who the color man was. Okay, so your thoughts before hearing Mark Sanchez in the booth, your thoughts on broadcasters like Al Michaels calling the Thursday night game on Prime. My one buddy said the only difference was I had to figure out how to watch the game and where to watch it, which was the case with a lot of people. Well, the fact that some people can't figure out how to watch TV on an app is mind boggling i'm 48 years old it doesn't take it's not that difficult to scroll well first i guess you have to have a smart tv let's start there or apple tv because then you can just download the app to your apple tv but to tie it back al michaels i grew up listening to al michaels i don't i enjoy listening to him call whatever sport he's doing like to me it's just okay he's now the the voice of thursday night or the other couple that we were talking about the team Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, right? So what they call Monday Night Football. I think ESPN kind of screwed them by having them do Monday and running the Manning cast on ESPN2. Yeah. I don't know if you guys get that in Canada or not. but We don't. 
Not that I know of. Maybe. It's so look. That's how I. By the way, to tie it all the way back, that's how I figured out where you guys went. When no longer am I recording your show on Directv in the states, is all of a sudden I'm visiting a friend in Ottawa, and I was like, oh, that that's where these two went. And I saw you guys on, is it Sports Center up there? Is that what they, just the different spelling? I forget the name of the show I was on. I, it's all a blur. And legally, I'm not allowed to say. Well, f*** them. That was the way I figured out where you guys went. But I don't, look, if, it's, if the commentating gets that bad for me, I'll just put the TV on mute and play music like I'm doing here. Maybe it's Jack Johnson and get you annoyed again. Maybe it's Pearl Jam. Who knows what kind of mood I'm in. Uh, okay, Kelly Slater update from Tim. Can people hear you right now? Okay, oh. fire away, Tim. Okay, Kelly Slater. Yes! Kelly Slater performs on the guitar and the ukulele, has performed with Jack Johnson and Pearl Jam. That's amazing. See? We, we know what we're talking about here. Dude, uh, by the way, getting back to Al Michaels in the Thursday night game, my favorite moment of the game. They showed Jeff Bezos. He's <laughs> hanging with Goodell or something. I don't know who the f*** he was hanging out with. Goodell. Bezos, by the way, is turning into Joe Rogan. Yep. He is like on... Everything. Like pu- puffer-sized medicine. He's on it he's all. Getting su- he's getting swole. I Give me it all. Say. Give me it all. So they show him and Al My- and. uh and they were talking, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I spent some time with him last night. I can't believe one of the smartest guys. This is Al Michaels. I can't believe one of the smartest guys in the world can't play craps. Doesn't know how. And I'm like, yes, rolling bones. Dan, if we're going to like be on transparency here. Yes. When you, when you and I met in person for the first time and we were playing craps, there's a couple of things I learned from you on that day. Number one, okay. don't interrupt yes. the eater. Don't interrupt a heater. I don't care what you want to do. Let them go. Eventually, you'll get your turn to throw your money on the table. That was number one. You wait until that person craps out. You don't go midpoint and throw your money in the table because everyone at that table wants you to get hit by a bus in that moment. You interrupt the mojo. The casino will never stop you because they want you to do that. They want your money and they want you to interrupt the flow of a shooter. Never do that. And number two, you want to know what number two was? Of course. Allegedly, when I did roll and the die went off the table, you yelled, same dice, same dice, same dice. Yeah, you don't want the karma of another dice. You want to keep those two dice together because they're working so well. You talk to what the you talk to any craps player, and everyone's got a system. Everyone's got their way, and that's usually uh, one of them is same dice. It was amazing. That's that's the two things I learned, and I took it with me the next time I went to play craps. There was a heater going on, and I waited. I'm very happy that I taught you craps, and I also taught my mother Sandro Tool who I've told this story on the podcast before. So they, they uh, when a new shooter comes out, she's standing next to me and they're like, oh, do you want to shoot? And she said, okay, I'll try it. So they push you out like six dice. So you're supposed to pick two. She picked all of them and threw them. Solid. To this day, they're still looking for some of those dice. How does that <laughs> and then, work? And then Sully, you'll love this because you live in Vegas. So you, you know, casinos, um, 
at one point I'm rolling dice. I'm like, you guys should, she was there with my aunt Linda. I'm like, you guys go wander around, like get out of here. 10 minutes later, I look around. They're standing behind the pit boss, (laughs) which is if people don't know in a casino, that's a no go zone. That's a no fly zone. No, no commoners are allowed back there. The pit boss turns around. He's like, what the f***? And he's like, ladies, get out of here. <laughs> Shout out Sandro Tool. Shout out Sandro Tool. Uh, Sully, uh, on that same night, he learns craps, and he took me my first ever Vegas Golden Knights game, and it was a hell of an experience. As I, I said on this podcast, because about a month later, I went to a Montreal Canadiens game. The 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 comparisons it's not comparable. No, would you agree? Very much so. Yeah, because it's all pomp and circumstance in Vegas, and yes, they're there to create a show. It's sure. Vegas, while sure. in Montreal, it's just you're in Montreal. This is the Canadians. This smells like hockey. There's nothing that needs to be manufactured here. No, and what I will tell you is, best place ever to watch a game is the Bell Center. I never had the opportunity to go to the Forum. Or the old forum, I said, until someone's like, yeah, we, we just refer to it as the forum, not the old forum. And what I noticed when I went to the Bell Center a couple of times is I looked around during a stoppage in play. Nobody was in their phone, not a single person. And I took down about eight hot dogs. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, the hot they're dogs, so- they're so delicious. They have them on like the little, uh, it's almost like pieces of, of uh, bread, not buns. Straight butter. Straight butter. The top slice things, uh, whatever they're called. Uh, uh, you are in Vegas. Have you been to the new Raiders stadium? You are in Vegas right now, but you live there uh, during the winter. Have you been to the new Raiders stadium? Uh, a few times. I went for two Raider games, and then I went um, the fabulous Schmoopy, who have you had the pleasure of meeting, my fiance. She's a Utah grad, and the Pac-12 championship was there last year, and they played Oregon. So we went there, and they throttled Oregon. It wasn't even close. They blew them out to go to the Rose Bowl. So it was, uh, again, another beautiful, crazy experience. Nothing I've ever experienced going to any other football game. Nicest stadium you've ever been in? <sighs> Nicest stadium, I say yes, that I've ever been in. But I've been to a few Super Bowls. And the one, the stadium in Minneapolis was great freezing outside to get in there. So like to dress, to go to a game was interesting. And we went to Atlanta for the Patriots Rams Super Bowl, And that's a beautiful stadium too. But again, it's, you know, Vegas is brand new. The 50, 50 or the 51 49 raffle is amazing. They had Bruce buffer introducing the team. They had a live band during timeouts. It's yeah. They know what they're doing in Vegas when they put on an event. Uh, and before we go, I should note, full disclosure, Sully, you come from NFL royalty. Please explain. Well, it wasn't royalty back then. I mean, so the backstory, yes, Dan, is in 1959, my family was awarded the AFL franchise for the Boston, Massachusetts team, which was known as the Boston Patriots converted to once they stopped playing games at Fenway or Harvard Stadium to where they are now in Foxborough, converted to the New England Patriots. Long time ago for a whopping total of 25000 in 1959. So I got to experience the lean years of being a Patriots fan back then. Not what they are now, 
or they're not that good right now, but the lean, lean years. I had a great run for 20 years. You were there then when they had one of my favorite logos, the Patriot. Oh, the Pat Patriot? Yeah. Oh, did we? I think we just packed up the helmet. I have like an official helmet from the locker room that my father took back in the day. They're bringing that logo back this year. Did you know that? Well, everything old is new again, Sully. Buddy, the, the best uniforms going in the NFL are the Los Angeles Chargers uniforms. The colors, like the color scheme. I wish the Patriots would go back to their original Pat Patriot, red shirts, full-time, but, you know. Is Tom Brady and his Buccaneers, are they going to go with the orange? Yes, the creamsicle. Rumor has it the creamsicle. Oh, my God, because the NHL's doing that with a lot of jerseys this year, too, going back to ones where people at the time said, these are hideous. Get rid of them. Now everyone's like, why don't you wear them more? Bring back the Hartford Whaler. They did. Carolina Hurricanes wore those a couple games last year. They don't look right on Carolina because their fans are wearing red, black. What, do you want to bring Hartford back? Sure, play in the mall. Why not? Glenn Wesley. Bring back Pat Verbeek as a player. Sully, uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. I just wanted to shoot the shit with you um, and talk to a familiar... Would I talk to someone's face? No, I would talk to a familiar person, but also look at your face, so... Buddy, it's an absolute honor. I love you very much. Thanks for having me on here. You had a great crack staff. I wanted to throw that out there for people not getting you the correct information on Willie. So nice job on the boomsies. No, that's all my fault. I do the research on my guests. Uh, The research I did on you, I didn't do any. You don't need to. Yeah. See you, Sully. Hope to see you back on boomsies again if you're invited. Boomsies! Sully. Gave me this hat that's uh, sitting in the studio behind me. Best friend. Because when we first met, we went for dinner at that restaurant. Best friend. It's at the Park MGM in Vegas. And it was fantastic. And Sully walked into this place and they're like, Sully! I'm like, why is it like this wherever you go? He's like, I don't know. He's just that kind of guy. And he's also the guy where people are like, hey, I've seen you before. He's like, no, you haven't. (laughs) He's just got that face where you're like, I've seen this guy before. No, you haven't. It's Sully. Let's get to some, uh, some viewer emails. Thanks for sending these. You can send them to, yeah, let's talk at gmail.com. Y-A. Let's talk at gmail.com. Hi, Dan. We are the same age, more or less. So it's amusing to hear your throwback references to Jim Acker and Nardwar. Two names I thought I might never hear again. I, too, had brown leather horsehair stuffed goalie pads and I also had an upper body and chest protector that my mom sewed together on her sewing machine. Your segment with Natasha Staniszewski was interesting. As for the phrase, chasing sunsets, I think the best usage is in the Kenny Loggins classic, Playing with the Boys, one of many hits on the original Top Gun soundtrack. I think negotiations need to start soon to get Jay on Boomsy's episode 50, an upcoming milestone event to be sure. Keep up the great work, Drew. Thanks, Drew. The message subject heading for this one, Cinnabon. Daddy boy, 
Do you live under a rock? You have never had Cinnabon? You need to have one. It'll change your life. It was listed as the most unhealthy snack in North America or the world. I can't remember. But regardless, they are absolutely worth eating unhealthy for. I legit used to eat one every day at the mall I used to work at for years, and I'm still kicking. There you go. A whole email about Cinnabon. You're welcome. Anthony from Moncton. Okay, I'm doing it. Next time at the OC, the Oshawa Center, or a mall that has a Cinnabon, I'll get a Cinnabon. And I'm not going to lie to you, watching Better Call Saul, when Saul Goodman's working at Cinnabon, uh, trying to hide out from the authorities, I had a craving because he was lathering on that, uh, that icing on those Cinnabons. Even in black and white, which those segments were shot in, they looked delicious. So thanks, Saul Goodman. Uh, Tim? Let's get to some boomsies newsies. There's a lot going on. I think I covered a lot of it. I covered uh, the the different voices and uh, faces in the broadcast booths. I recurve, uh, I covered three big retirements in the NHL. What have I missed? Uh, not much. Uh, there's a few things, though, we can get to. Um, Leafs have been using the same uh, same goal song since 2018. Yes, and, it's yeah, yeah, it was bad to begin with, but keeping it there this long has been, it's a, that's a bad deal. With uh, training camps coming up, uh, do you have any suggestions for a new goal song? You, even Austin Matthews said uh, this week that he was open to a new song. I sent this tweet out after the Leafs were eliminated from the playoffs, and I said, now that the dust has settled, can we all agree that the Leafs need to change their goal song, which is a Holland Oates song? It gives, sure was kitschy. When they first started, you're like, ah, oh, that's unique. Ah, they're thinking outside the box. Now it's just annoying. You want to like, uh, like when the Mets bring in Diaz from the pen, you want a song that gets the crowd going. And I was thinking, okay, get a tragically hip song, but no, you can't get a stomping Tom song. You need something with like some oomph. You can't go with Gary Glitter because, uh, that's all. She go. You can't go with uh, song two by, is it Blur? The woohoo. That's overplayed. So I think Z Money's the one who said this could uh, open up great fan interaction from Leafs Nation as they pick a goal song together. So Leafs, yes, it's time. And I'm of firm belief that's why the Leafs have not advanced any further because of that song. Or each player has their own goal song. And people say, oh, you don't know, it's too quick. Yes, you can do it on the fly. And if someone, the the credit for the goal gets changed after the fact, who cares? Everyone has their own goal song. I think that'd be great. Just like your own walk-up song in baseball. Be unique. Leafs, think outside that bubble because people uh, in certain industries, you need to go outside that bubble and take a peek around. I have a, I have a couple suggestions. Yeah, go. Uh, Breakout by Foo Fighters. 
That would get the jump, the uh, joint jumping as okay, it Okay, yeah, I don't mind that. And uh, I think Legend Has It by Run the Jewels from Run the Jewels. Don't know that. Uh, but you, the breakout doesn't, like, breakout! Like, the fans can't, like, clap along or something. You need something with a beat. You need... You need something like that where they can all go like, hey, or something during the song. So you need something with interaction involved. That's a tough one. They could air guitar. No. Okay. Uh, Non-sports related news. Uh, Doug Ramsey, the COO of Beyond Meat, was arrested after reportedly biting part of a man's nose off in a parking lot fight. According to witnesses, uh, Ramsey's vehicle was hit in the parking lot as he was trying to leave. He got out and punched through the back windshield of the other car. When the owner of the other car came out, Ramsey started to punch him and then bit the owner's nose, ripping the flesh off the tip of his nose. Okay, so every joke has been made about, oh, uh, I guess he wasn't vegan or something like that. I'm not making those jokes. Too many have been made. I'm here simply to state the fact that Beyond Meat, is disgusting. It's got a chemical taste to it. It's got an odor. If you cook a Beyond Meat burger in your house, you're smelling that Beyond Meat burger for the next year. It is horrible. It does not mimic the taste of ground beef. It is unedible. You know who makes a great non-meat Fake ground beef product, Ease brand. You get their fake ground chuck, you put that in tacos, you put that in a chili, and you do a blind taste test with someone who thinks they're getting meat in those tacos or that chili, they won't have a clue. Ease brand makes a far superior product. I believe it's cheaper. And their non-chicken, ancient grain chicken nuggets that don't have chicken in them. Far superior to actual chicken nuggets. Eve's brand, I believe a Canadian company, is doing the Lord's work when it comes to families that have a member that doesn't eat meat like mine. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for your service, Eve's brand. All right, uh, one last thing. Uh, the Queen was laid to rest on Monday. The expected broadcast audience for the funeral uh, is looking to be 4.1 billion with a B people. Most watched show in uh, TV it, history. Yeah, that's what they're expecting. I haven't heard any final numbers, though. So I did not watch any of the uh, the Queen coverage. All week long. Didn't watch a second. Yet Monday morning, I had a tea time book with some friends. And I was having my morning coffee, my banana. And I, I flipped it on and it was on the Queen's coverage. And I actually sat there and watched it for 30 minutes. And I've talked about how I'm um, an empath. I believe Julie Stewart Binks said, that's what I am. Means you feel so much, you're overwhelmed with empathy for other people. I actually started crying 
during the the queen's funeral because i'm like oh these these people ah oh, they, they they really they really miss her and then i got all the details the queen helped design her own hearse I'm like that's kind of cool the the horses and the the riders leading everything were rcmp officers that the rcmp gifted the queen with several horses but the first one they gave her was her favorite horse ever and she rode it for 18 years and then during this coverage so it was like a 23 mile journey from where they started to where they ended i don't know how many cameras they had but every corner they turned there was a camera it was like a 5000 camera shoot which I couldn't wrap my head around. I was thinking of the production. I'm like, eh, who's the guy in charge of this? Is there a world feed? Did they all pull their cameras? Or does every network have their own set of... So when you've been in the industry, you kind of look at things different. That's why I always wonder how about like a, a director of a movie or an actor watches a movie they aren't in. Are they dissecting? They're like, oh, I wonder how they shot that. Can they actually lose themselves in another movie or another production or even their own, or are they just looking at every part of it saying, Oh, that could have been shot better. Oh, that probably took two days to shoot. Same with a player, retired player. Is he watching a game with enjoyment or mm, he did that wrong? Ah, he's going to get in trouble for that. I could have done that better. These are things that go, go on in my brain. Like the other day I'm watching a bird. Like that bird, I wonder if he like is ever annoyed. Like I've got these wings, but I can't pick up anything. Like what the? Does he ever? Does he ever try? Does he ever like? Ah! But they're right here. They're right here. But I can't use them except to fly. And sometimes I see birds watch for walk for long stretches, and I'm like, you have wings, you know, right? And you got those tiny little pencil legs. Put those wings to use. Or see, like, I just finished flying. My arms are tired. Guess we'll never know what birds think. I guess we'll never know. Well, I think that wraps up our time here. Thanks for tuning in to Boomsies on the Bet Rivers Network. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lots of content there. Like producer Tim calling Monday Night Football. Which, can we make that a thing? Can we do a simulcast where Tim calls the game? I believe we would hit ratings records. Let's look into that. Now, make sure to be nice to people. It doesn't cost you anything. Just be nice. And give someone a hug. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozy. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Boomsies is a presentation of Boomsies Studios. Hosted by me, Dan O'Toole. Boomsies Newsies, delivered by producer Tim. News compiled by Z Money. Welcome to Boomsies Voice, courtesy of Melissa Dever. Production manager, Melissa Dever. Boomsies theme song provided by Ryan Shepard. 
Other weeks, it's Small Town Strip Club. Boomsy's closing song, The North Coast Band. Boomsies is produced by producer Tim and Z Money. Technical producer, Ron the Cat. He's missing. Senior advisor to the technical producer, Snarf. Special thanks to the advisor to the senior advisor to the technical producer, Lionel. Audio engineer, Mr. Sure. Sure it is. Accounting by producer Tim. We've never seen the books. Books provided by Staples. Staples bought at Staples. Camera work, thanks to Try. Tripod. Listener emails delivered by Gmail. An email service that makes it impossible to find deleted emails. It really makes no sense. If you just deleted an email, it should be at the top of the deleted emails list. But nope, not on Gmail. That would be too easy. Boomsy's desk, found for free on the side of the road. Studio constructed by Jason Smith. He did a great job because this basement used to be the stuff of nightmares. Barn board, found after they took down some old ass barn. Boomsy's catering, courtesy of Rory and Remy. Special thanks to the person who created podcasts, Paul. Paul Podcasts. The name Boomsies provided by Sean Keegan. Boomsies Studios is a dream come reality thanks to Bet Rivers. What a great app they have. Really, it is. And I'm not just saying that. You should download it. Do you download an app or install an app? Does it even matter? You know what I mean. And thanks to you for listening. Yeah, you. You sat through all this and you're still here. Hopefully this podcast took your mind off things for an hour. Life isn't easy. Just ask a bird. But guess what? You aren't alone. And if you feel alone, reach out. Serious. Just reach out. And if you need help, ask for it. I did. I asked for help and I got it. It was the best thing I ever did in my life. Serious. Bumsies. See you next week.